So we're going to finish up our series on following Jesus. We're going to do it by looking at one particular parable. And my, my hope, my desire is not that this is a series that we did and it comes to an end and now we're done. My hope is that this is just setting the foundation of what it looks like for us to follow, pursue, do life with Jesus day in and day out. Um, as a church family, um, we're going to continue to have one of the heartbeats of our church be our life groups. We need to be living life together. Um, there's a certain layer of relationship that you can build in a few minutes on a Sunday morning, but you really can't get to know one another till you're walking through life together. And so I just think it's important to have a place that we call home, we connect with other people, and we can wrestle through the real stuff. And so just know our life groups are going to be based on the kinds of things we've been doing and talking about on Sundays during the series. We're going to look at Jesus, who he is, what he has to say to us, and we're going to talk about how that applies to our life. So that's something we're going to do continuing forward. Um, next week, we're going to sh- start a short three-week series called Beholding Jesus, and we're going to go back and look at the nativity, and we're going to look at it from a few different angles and just really highlight our Savior who came, God incarnate, to be with us. And so I'm really looking forward to that starting next Sunday. So let's jump into this this morning. Our passage is a short and simple story found in Mark chapter 4. There's a lot of parables that you'll see the same parable or very similar parable in other places. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke may all have um, a similar parable in them. This one stands alone. It's just found in Mark's gospel. And so in Mark chapter 4, in the midst of several stories that Jesus is telling, um, he's, he's told the familiar parable of the sower already with the different types of soil. You guys familiar with that? The wayside and the rocky ground and the thorny ground, the good soil. He tells that story. Um, he explains to the disciples why he tells parables, why he sort of leaves people hanging. And then he invites them in and explains that parable of the sower to them. And then he goes on and he begins to talk about um, a, a lamp and like the point of a light of a candlestick is for it to shine and that we shouldn't hide it underneath a shade or a bushel. We don't do that. We let the light out. Um, and then he moves into this parable here that we're going to do this morning. And so Mark chapter 4, verse 26, and Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. I need to tell you all this morning that I kill plants. Uh, This is the opposite of a green thumb. It's maybe a black thumb. I don't know what the opposite of a green thumb is, but whatever it is, I have it. I kill plants. And um, my yard tells that story, my backyard especially right now. I feel like my dogs have contributed to killing plants at my house, but but I'm just bad with them. Um, But I was given this gift years ago and it's one of these little potted plants that they're kind of viney. You know the ones I'm talking about? They're like green and viney. They get those leaves on them. And it's almost impossible to kill these things. And, uh, and I know because I've tried. And so I had this thing in my office forever. It's, it was up on the shelf. I think it's still there. Um, I left it when I moved. And it celebrated, I'm pretty sure. It danced a little jig if it could. Um, but I would just, I would forget constantly to water this thing. 
And yet, it would just, it kind of keep hanging in there. And every now and then I'd walk by and start to realize like, man, it's been there for quite a while. It's not growing. A couple of those leaves were looking a little sketchy. I'd pour a little bit of water in. Uh, some of my friends in the office began to learn this about me and my poor, my poor little vine there. And so they would help contribute and pour water in for me. I was just terrible. But here was the crazy thing. This plant just continued to grow. It would grow, it would fight through the obstacle of having me as its caregiver, and it would grow and it would expand. And I mean, that thing started going down the side of the shelf that it was on, and, and it would continue to grow. And, and so in this story here, that's, that's kind of the picture. Like, Jesus isn't tackling the process of what the farmer does. And he's not ignoring that. That's a real thing. There's other stories that tackle that. But in this story, he's just saying, look, the seed goes in the ground, Something magical happens, and there it goes, and it starts to grow. And the guy who did it, he just goes to bed at night, wakes up in the morning, and there it is, steadily growing. That's the story. So to step back for a minute, I want, I want to take about five minutes and give us some perspective on how we can approach kingdom parables. Because, see, Jesus didn't just show up and tell a story. He would say something similar to this. The kingdom of God is like... He would use these pictures, these stories, to give us insight into God's kingdom. And so there's a few things that we need to have settled. One is, no one parable is a full, complete picture of the gospel. Um, we can get on dangerous ground if we just grab one parable and go, that's the whole picture of what God's kingdom is like. That's the whole gospel story. Um, it's not. They're meant to piece together. And so each one is a picture of the gospel. It gives us insight into God's kingdom. But they're really meant to kind of all tie in together and give us a full, broad picture of the gospel. Um, so even though they're one little aspect, that doesn't mean that they're tiny and insignificant. The cool thing about the stories that Jesus told is they had depth to them. They spoke on this level where I could have a basic understanding of what he's talking about and could apply it. But if I'm really willing to lean in and to listen and to dig and to ask questions, there's this depth to them that really invites me into the story of what God's up to what he wants to be up to in my life and the lives of the community I live in. Um, one of the examples I've used over the years of this is it's, imagine a mural. Imagine coming in and seeing a mural. In fact, we could do this right now. Turn around. We've got this beautiful mural back here of the dragonish thing and the knight that's fighting him. And like, we've got the big picture, right? Now, if we wanted, we could go in really close, maybe even get a ladder and go up and start checking out the head of that dragon and really like zoom in and look at like the detailed work going on in there. And if we got close to that one part of the picture, we might see some things we don't see from a distance over here. We can see a, a layer of depth or detail. Now that's kind of just a, a silly, fun mural there, but imagine if we were looking at an incredible painting by a brilliant artist and we step back and we see the whole scope and it's like, wow, that's awesome. But if we step in close and can really see the lighting and the shading and the brush strokes and, and how it was composed. I mean, there's just a layer of, like, we just get drawn in. And so what we can do with these parables is we look at the picture and then we can, we can lean in and see the detail and get in close and check it out. But then it's important to always step back and go, where does that fit in the whole of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Where does that fit in the big picture? And so that's, that's a way that we're going to approach this. Um, some things to know, there's a few different types of parables. There's quite a few that we could call garden parables that use examples of things like seeds, grains, trees, vines, branches, fruit. 
birds that come and interact with all of this. Um, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of those. And I want to I give you this Warren Wearsby quote. He's got a really good um, approach, I feel like, to how to unpack a parable. So let me just read this quote to you. Warren Wearsby said, Parables start off like pictures. Then they become mirrors. And then they become windows. And so he explains this a little bit. First, there's sight as we see a slice of life in a picture. Then there's insight as we see ourselves in the mirror. And then there's vision as we look through the window of Revelation and see the Lord. And so that's what I want to invite you to do, not only this morning, um, but even just going forward in your life as you approach the Word of God. Just go, okay, God, first of all, what's the picture? What are you telling me here? What's this story? And then, God, what do you want to say to me uniquely and personally? God, will you turn this into a mirror? Speak into my life. And then finally, Lord Jesus, would you give me a vision for who you are and what you're up to? What's, what's going on in your kingdom? And watch how he'll speak to us as we do that. So with all of that said, let's dive back into our parable this morning. So first of all, verse 26. Let's look at this one more time. Then Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Now, that word scatter, it's, it's actually a pretty, like, dramatic word. Um, it, it has within it the idea of impulse. Like, just let me chuck it over here. Let me throw it over there. Um, the word cast, the word throw, scatter, let go, it's all kind of wrapped up in this word. It's really, all, there's almost a carelessness to it of just kind of like, wherever. Yeah, let's get some back over there. I mean, I actually thought about throwing seeds at you guys this morning and then thought better of it because I didn't want to have to clean up the mess. Not because I didn't want to hit you with seeds. <laughs> it was selfish. I didn't want to clean up. But it's that idea of scattering. My, my mind actually went to this word picture um, from this really powerful um, um, film called The Sandlot. And um, in this powerful film, Benny is discipling and shepherding this young kid that just gets referred to as Smalls throughout, throughout the movie. And, um, and he's, he's trying to teach him how to throw. And the kid can't throw a baseball. And he says, listen, have you ever had a paper route? He says, it's like that. You just hold it back here and you just chuck it like you're throwing a newspaper. And it clicked. He got it. Oh, that's what I do. I just chuck it. And, and I think at the simplest level, Jesus is inviting us to be like this man in the story. Where am I? Who am I around? And just, just throwing out seed. Like, just let it fall wherever it will. It's, it's okay to just scatter it. Let it get out there. You know, there, there's, I, I believe in discipleship. I believe in leaning in close and sticking it out with people and being in deep relationship. I believe God operates that way. Um, I've got relationships with people in my life that have been in my life for a long time. We've poured into each other. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. There's also people in my life who've never met me that threw something out once that stuck. And it stuck for a long time. And I didn't get to process that with them. But the seed, the word that they spoke took root in my heart. And it's, it's produced something. I'm grateful for that. And I, I just think, it, wouldn't it be awesome if we had a sense of being a little cavalier with the gospel and just being willing to throw out seeds and, and even approach it the way Jesus did? He didn't feel like he had to explain the whole entire thing every time he told a parable. Let me just give you a taste. Let me tell you a little bit about what God is like. Let me tell you a little bit about his love for you. And so we can find 
unique, simple ways in everyday life with people that aren't close to us at all, but even with our family. Little simple things I can say to my kids, say to my spouse, encourage a friend with, and just be cavalier about it. Just chuck it. Just throw it out there and see where it may go. And there's a real freedom in what Jesus is sharing in this parable of like, let it fall, let it do its work, let it produce what it will. It's all right. Throw it out there. And so I want to just encourage us to do that. And, and what I love about this too, you know, when, when I'm reading a passage, what I try to do, there's always my initial instinct of how I'm wired, of how I'll see something. And so when I'm first reading this, I'm a pastor, so of course I'm, I'm thinking like the guy that's scattering the seed. But I felt like the Lord was also saying, what about being on the receiving end, just letting it, letting it fall, being able to receive it and let it take root? What about that? And, and I went right back to the sandlot. And in the same scene, when Benny is teaching him how to throw, he's standing there in the outfield, and he's like, man, how, how do I catch this ball when you hit it out there? And he tells me, he goes, take your glove, stick it out like that, and I'll take care of the rest. And then Benny goes to home plate, hits the ball, and just perfectly lands it right in his glove. It was just this cool, like, miraculous scene. I always loved it. Like, that's what Jesus is inviting us to do. He's like, if you will just position yourself to receive, I'll hit the mark. I'll get it in there. Just put your glove out. Expect that something is coming your way. Expect I want to speak something to you and get ready to catch it. I'll hit the mark. You won't miss it. I know for me, all too often, I, I go the other direction. I feel like I've got to dig it out. I've got to find it. I've got to work a little harder. I've got to dig a little deeper. Instead of just saying to the Lord, God, what do you want to say to me today? I'm going to give you opportunity to do it through your word. I'm going to slow down and, and just listen. What do you want to say through your word? But God, I'm going to pay, I want to pay attention throughout the day. What might you speak through another person in my life? What might you say through a silly movie like The Sandlot? God, what do you want to speak to me? I'm just going to be like this. I want to keep my glove open, ready to receive whatever you want to throw in here. Let's adopt that position. See, the beauty is we can trust this process. Verse 27. What does the guy do? He sleeps. He rises night and day. He's just living life, man. Goes to bed at night, sleeps in peace. Wakes up in the morning, goes about his day. And while he's doing this, the seed sprouts and it grows and he knows not how. Like this guy... Not only does he not have control over the growth process, he doesn't even have knowledge of how it works. I'm so thankful for the guy in the story. This isn't a brilliant farmer that's figured out all the science behind it. He's like, man, I don't even know how this thing works. Somebody told me you throw some seeds on the ground, it'll grow something. So there, maybe tomatoes will come up. I don't know. He just throws it out. He doesn't have any knowledge of how it works. He doesn't have any pressure to control it and make it happen. He just gets to rest and trust in the process. So if we allow ourselves to just assume this posture of receiving, there's value that will naturally come out of it. See, the scripture invites us into some things. You know, we, I feel like we've used these words to describe them that just make them sound terrible. You know, we use words like the disciplines, the godly disciplines. And it just sounds like this thing I have to do, some taskmaster is making me. They're invitations into hearing God speak. I'm invited to do really simple things like pray, worship, dive into the word of God. I'm invited into those things. 
And what, what this passage is telling me is that if I will allow seed to get scattered into my life, to come at me in different ways, I can rest in the fact that something is going to be happening inside of me below the surface. Something is going to start growing. Something's going to start changing. And I can trust the process. I can give myself over to it. I love that. There's just a simplicity. There, there's value in doing what we're doing right here. I can gather with a group of people. We can talk about God's word. And I might not even feel like stuff immediately changes. You know, there, there are moments... This could be like a discouraging thought as a pastor, but there's moments occasionally where I really strongly remember certain messages that have been preached. Um, but the truth is, if I were to try to accumulate all the sermons I've heard, even in the last five years, I probably couldn't name more than three or four of them and tell you the basics of what they taught. But there's an accumulative effect of letting God's word sink down deep and get rooted into my life, being willing to take it in and watch what happens. There's power in that. And so there's value in just saying, God, I'm going to trust myself to this process. And not only am I going to be the kind of person that's willing to just scatter where I can, but God, I want to be receiving wherever I can. I want to be open to hearing what you want to say to me. And God, I'm trusting you're going to produce something incredible in my life. The writer of the book of Hebrews um, writes and says this in Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25. He says simply, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He's the one doing the work. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, in this parable, we're drawing towards something. There's a harvest coming. And for many of us along the way, it, the road gets discouraging. And it gets easy just to like, disconnect and to drift and to get frustrated and just to tune out. But Jesus is inviting us to, to say, hey, come together, be in my presence. Let the seed take root. Kick it around with each other. Talk about it and watch what I'll do if you'll just continue in that kind of life together. I'm faithful and I'm producing something that you may not even be able to see. I love this, verse 28. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. See, I don't have to actually think that hard about um, trying to grow what's planted. The human heart, our soul, is already conditioned in such a way to produce fruit from whatever we plant inside of it. We, we are hardwired to produce things. Things grow in us. The larger question is, what am I taking in? What seed is going to take root in my heart? Whatever it is, it'll grow. I can't help but allow it to grow. You know, this is where we get some of the old adages that I just always rolled my eyes at when I was a kid of like, you know, garbage in, garbage out, and things of that nature. But there's an element of truth. Like what we take in, it lands, it sticks, and our hearts will grab hold of certain things and will let them take root and there will be a natural byproduct. Things will grow in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. And they'll produce something. And the beauty of this passage is Jesus is saying, if you'll allow my word to get scattered into your heart, it's going to grow. It's, it's going to produce something in you. 
It requires some patience. You know, it's, it's in this passage, you know, it's easy just to kind of, kind of blitz past this because he says it so quickly. But in these first few verses, like we have the picture of this whole growth process. We've got this tiny little seed. It's actually like a dead thing. It's something that's died and it falls to the ground. Then that seed hits the ground, gets in the soil, begins to produce some stuff below the surface. Some roots start spreading. A little sprout eventually peeks up out of the ground. See a little bit of greenery. Then that grows. Then slowly the fruit of that starts to show up. It matures and then it ripens. There's this whole process. Now, with something like in this picture, like grain, for example, or corn, that's sort of the imagery being used is wheat or corn. It could be either one, um, the, the Greek words here that are used. That imagery, it's going to happen, you know, in a certain season of time. The reality is a lot of the growth that happens in our life, it goes in seasons too. Sometimes those seasons last years. Anybody ever had one of those seasons that last years and like it wasn't a good season? It was one where you're looking at the ground and going, I, I don't see a thing growing there. Or maybe I see stunted growth. This little tiny thing poked up out of the ground and now the wind's going crazy on that thing. Dust is swirling all around. That's never going to make it. That dream, that hope, that desire, it's never going to come about. But what Jesus is reminding us in this passage is that he is faithful. And whether we see it or not, little by little, step by step, growth is taking place. It's going to require patience. But our patience is trusting him. Hi, Kate. <laughs> I'm getting waved at. Our patience is we're trusting him and his faithfulness. But it's going to take that. See, the beauty of this story is the farmer couldn't do anything to make it grow. The difficult thing about this story, the farmer couldn't do anything to make it grow. <laughs> I'm a control freak. I, I want to. What's the two or three things I can do that'll just speed this process up? Let's go, let's go, let's hurry, let's hurry, let's get there. That's not how it works. I can either view that as a trap and it can drive me crazy and I can beat myself up and I can feel like I got to do more, do more, do more. Or I can recognize it as the invitation that it is to rest in him to trust the process he's invited me into and to live a life of patience and trust in Jesus. And so God, I'm going to let you do the work. This is true in my life. And listen, this gets very real when it's about other people around you. Some of the hardest things to be patient for is other people. I don't want to pick on any of my children that are in the room, but like there's times where I'm like, really, how much longer is this season going to last? I mean, come on. Is there some magic thing I can just say or do? Is there some, you know, punishment I haven't explored yet or some amazing phrase I can just say that'll get us there? And it, it just doesn't exist. Thankfully, the Lord has a level of patience with me that goes beyond any kind of patience I have to give out towards others. See, Jesus is also the man in this story. He scatters the seed, and then he goes, all right, I'm going to see what's going to happen with this one. Let's see what the growth looks like. Let's see how long this takes. Might need to overseed in this particular life. But see, he's patient with us, and he's excited to see what's going to get produced in our life as we let the truth of who he is sink in. And if I can remember and hold on to the patience that Jesus has shown me, 
it'll give me a little bit more strength to hold on as I hang in there with other people and as I hang in there even in my own life. He's patient with me while I be patient with myself. And so here this process grows and it continues and the seed grows. Verse 29, And when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. See, after the whole process is complete, it, it really, the role of this, of this man in the story, the role of this sower in the story is scatter and gather. It's scatter and gather. And he pays attention to what's happening. He sees the change. He watches the growth slow and steady. And when he sees it's ripe, he gathers. Scatter and gather. That's what Jesus has invited us into. In the same way that we can explore this story and say, hey, I need to be someone that's scattering all the time. Scripture says in several places that there's a harvest that's ready. There's a harvest that's ripe right now. And it's the laborers that are lacking. What do those laborers need to do? Just look around for something ripe and reap. But see, if I'm not checking, I'm not going to know. If I don't ever get in close enough to check out the plant, to check out the fruit and see is it time, I'm not going to know. So there's an invitation. Come in close. Pay attention. Watch and be ready to reap. Now, I believe that Jesus speaks on a multitude of levels. I think this story applies to individual lives. I think it applies to my own. I also think he's teaching us something about the greater kingdom of God here. One of the reasons I believe that is in this particular verse, the word sickle is used for harvest. That word only shows up twice in the entire New Testament. The word harvest is used in this passage. That word for harvest is only used seven times in the New Testament. Now here's the beauty of this. The word sickle shows up right here in this story and in Revelation chapter 14. The word harvest shows up in parables that Jesus tells about the kingdom of God in six of those parables. You want to guess the seventh place where harvest shows up? Revelation 14. So Jesus is also telling us something big picture that he is up to. There is a harvest coming one day. And he is going to reap and harvest his kingdom that is prepared and ready and ripe, waiting for him. So in Revelation chapter 14, I'm, I'm not going to take the time to read the whole thing to you this morning. I would encourage you to go back and read from verse 12 down through the end of the chapter. But he gives the story of the earth being harvested. And we see the Son of Man, he shows up and he's on the cloud and he has a sickle in his hand. And he looks out and he sees like the wheat or the cornfield and it's ripe for harvest. And he's told now is the time. And he lets down the sickle and he, he brings the wheat into the barn. He harvests. There's also an angel present that was said to be the one that was in charge of fire. And it says the grapes were ripe as well. And they were, it was time for them to be harvested and to put into the great wine press for the wrath of God. He's talking about the end of, end of time, the end of judgment. There, there are wheat and there are tares growing on this earth right now and over the course of time. And Jesus is telling us there is a harvest coming. And my desire is to come and reap you into the harvest with me, to move into my kingdom forever. And in preparation for, for this story being told in the book of Revelation, there's a reason given for this story. 
It's in Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. Right before he tells the story of the harvest, he says, Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. He says, Don't be mistaken. I'm coming back for you. I'm harvesting. All that is good and right, those who are mine, I'm welcoming them home. All the things on this this earth that it's time to be judged, to be dealt with, to be made right, I'm going to come and deal with those things. And he says, hold on, endure, keep doing faithfully, steadily those things I'm inviting you into. Hold on to your faith in me. Listen to what I have to say into your life. Follow that. Follow my voice. Follow me. I mean, this this passage, those who keep the commandments and their faith in Jesus, I mean, it literally mirrors the Great Commission. Teach them to observe everything I've told you. And behold, I'm with you to the very end of the age. He's now saying at the end of the age, I'm going to do what I said I would do. That thing that I'm growing in you, that I'm producing in your life, that thing I'm doing in the lives of people around you, that you get to be involved with, family, friends, your greater community, I'm at work. And you need to know there is going to be judgment. But where the seed has fallen on good soil that will receive it, I'm producing a crop and I'm coming for you. So hang in there. Hold on. Endure. Keep your faith in me. You can trust the process of what I'm up to. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the life that is in you. God, thank you for, for inviting us in to the hope of the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we're grateful for that. Lord, thank you that Jesus even is a seed. He's the seed that that fell and died and yet produced much fruit. It's new life that we all now have access to. God, thank you that you have scattered that seed and it has gone out for thousands of years and it's reached us and reached our hearts and we're hearing even some of it today. God, we're grateful for the seed that's been sown in us. God, would you teach us how to walk this out? God, teach us how to be people that receive it, that position ourselves to hear and let it come in. God, show us how to have patience and trust in you and the process and what you're up to in our lives. God, help us be the kind of people that look to scatter seed wherever we go. Help us to have that same kind of patience when we're watching the lives of others that we've been pouring into, loving on, standing with, God, we're praying and believing for fruit. God, we're looking to see the harvest. Lord, maybe there's even some people around us right now that are ripe. Help us to have eyes to see it. And God, if we're the one that gets to put the sickle in and reap that harvest, what a joy to be able to do that. God, help us be people who scatter and gather and trust you with the process. And Lord, most of all, help us endure when the road gets hard, when the seasons get long, God, I pray that we would take heart in knowing that you are going to do what you said you would do. You are coming back for us one day. We look forward to that day. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen.